So I was at home last week. Um, last uh, Saturday, I uh, woke up and looked at April and said, I feel awful. Uh, called my doctor and kind of told him what was going on. And he goes, you know, you may need to go to the ER. So, I mean, I, I felt awful, but I wasn't like where I couldn't move. So I drove myself to the ER. I'm sitting there and April says, hey, I'm going to be there shortly. And I said, listen, no one wants to be at the ER. Uh, people are sick here. You know, they, they're sneezing, they're coughing, stay away. I'll let you know when I get to a room. Get to a room, blood tests, you name it. They scan me and they go, ah, oh, diverticulitis. To which I went, oh no. You see, my family has a great history of diverticulitis. Mom, grandmother, cousins, aunts, uncles. It's just like a family tradition. And I'm carrying it on. And so, uh, like Dale said, I called him and I said, hey, I'm going to the ER. Uh, I don't know what this is. Please prepare something. And man, I'm so thankful for Dale. Um, did an amazing job last Sunday with very little time. And so, Dale, thank you for that. And so I sat at home and watched along with you guys. I worshiped with you. I got to hear Dale preach in my recliner and sat there and went, oh, I just don't feel great. Week went on. Uh, this past weekend, I, I preached my brother-in-law's wedding, the one I baptized uh, here, I preached his wedding to his fiance, and so we made the long drive to St. Angelo and back yesterday. And so I just feel tired today. Any of y'all that have ever battled this, I, man, praise God for you. I counted a blessing to get to suffer in this way so we can identify together. Um, I, I promise you this, uh, peanuts and popcorn are like the enemy now. Um, I'm cleansing my house of them. Um, you know, I always grew up thinking that those were the healthy snacks. Lo and behold, for me, they are the devil. Um, so any of y'all that have made me banana nut bread in the past, just take the nuts out. I'll just take banana bread from now on. Thank you. I uh, love you all. Um, I, so in preparation of this Sunday, uh, for those of y'all that haven't been with us all year long, uh, I pray at the end of each year for the coming year and asking God, where would you want us to be? What's, what's something that we can hold on to? What's something you want to inspire into us? And at the end of last year, the word was finish. Finish. Finish what we started. Start things that we need to finish. And so I think it's only fitting that since I wasn't with you last week, we finished this series together today. Um, I, I want to make note of this. There's so much more to the book of Nehemiah than we're going to cover in this series and I hope that you'll take the time to read the book of Nehemiah. Um, there's two great things that came out of this time uh, with the Lord in this great uh, sickness of diverticulitis. One was I just got extra time with the Lord. And out of that came a new series that we'll actually start next Sunday that I can't even wait to roll out with you guys. And the other is insight into this week's sermon as well. And so before we begin, let me make a special note of something uh, with you guys in the room. Um, one is this, as a church, we are devoting ourselves to prayer. Uh, we believe it is a strong power. If you're not in the Word and you're not a prayerful person, I believe those two things will change your spiritual walk with the Lord. 
to fuel this in the life of our church, um, we've always had a prayer room. That prayer room was in the wrong place in our church. It was tucked into a secured kids area at the end of the kids hall. And with all that we're learning about uh, our broken world, that's the worst place to put a room that we hope you spend time in. And so we moved it. It is now in the back of our sanctuary. There's a cry room right here for any of y'all that have babies and you need a place, there's a cry room there. But right next door to it, we'll put signage up soon, is our prayer room. It's a place we hope that you'll go to. If you just are in the middle of service and you're like, you know what? I just need to pray before the Lord. I need to kneel. I need to get somewhere. Man, we hope you'll go there. In that room um, is also elements for the Lord's Supper. We believe that we practice the Lord's Supper adequately as a church, but we also want you to know if in the life of your walk with the Lord, if, if you're like, man, I need to take the Lord's Supper today, we have put those elements back there for you any given Sunday and hope that you'll take that up. Um, we believe communion with God is powerful and changes life. So in that space, it is always available for you in our prayer room. But before we begin, let me pray once more for us as we open the text. God, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Lord, thank you that you gave us the Holy Spirit who inspires us and leads us and guides us. Lord, we need the Holy Spirit now. Lord, as we open the word to show us exactly what we're supposed to get from it. Lord, my preparation is not enough. My notes are not enough. We need the Holy Spirit to come and to speak to us and to change us and to mold us and lead us out of here today as people called by your name. Lord, we pray this in the name that you set us above all names, the name of Jesus. Amen. So let me start with this. We have gotten in our text now uh, with Nehemiah that he was a cupbearer who heard the testimony of his hometown that was still in ruins and broken walls. And he said, oh, that just breaks my heart. I, I wish somebody would do something. And he prayed and God said, you do something. He goes before the king. The king releases him with blessing to go back and rebuild the walls. In the midst of building the walls, he saw that people were going to stand up and say something bad about it, and they did. And today, we're going to finish our story with Nehemiah and what happens when your 52 days is done. I want to ask you a question before we begin. What would happen if you took 52 days in your life, in your walk with the Lord, to really devote yourself to really apply the things of him and to really find your purpose in this world and start that walk. What if we really decided today that we were going to take Jesus really seriously? What if we truly decided in our hearts and in our lives that the Bible is more than just a textbook? It's a life book. It changes us and it molds us and it leads us. And if we took it seriously for once, what would happen in 52 days if we read the Bible like that applied it into our lives, and prayed in such a way that we believed that God heard us. What would happen in your 52 days? I can promise you this, you wouldn't be the same. So I'm just going to ask you to do something with me. And maybe you started this process, Dale mentioned it in a sermon time of how he was praying through his 52 days. What would it look like? I'm going to ask you the same question. What are you doing with your next 52 days with the Lord? What would it look like if we as Christians really held on to the truth of who Jesus was? So we come to Nehemiah chapter 6. 
We, we've been stuck in this moment as we hear Nehemiah not only is rebuilding walls, he's rebuilding God's promises to his people. He's now walked them through how to live in God's civility and not just social civility. This is the difference, I believe, between ethics and Christian ethics. Ethics only last as long as a truth exists. And for those that live outside of the word of God, that changes all the time. What used to be ethically sound will change with the next generation. The difference is when truth is there, it doesn't change. The truth doesn't change. We do. That's why we live in a society where truth has changed, where ethics have changed. And so as Nehemiah is talking to his people, he begins to unravel for them the truth that God gave them. And then we get to chapter 6. It says, when Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem of Arab and the rest of our enemies heard that I'd rebuilt the wall and there was no gap left in it, though at the time I had not installed the doors in the city gates, Sanballat and Geshem sent me a message, come, let's meet together in the villages of Ono Valley. They were planning to harm me. So I sent messengers to them saying, I'm doing important work and cannot come down. Why should the work cease while I leave it and go down to you? Four times. They sent the same proposal and gave them, and I gave them the same reply. Sambalat sent me the same message a fifth time by his aide, who had an open letter in his hand, and it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Geshem agrees that you and the Jews plan to rebel. This is the reason you're rebuilding the wall. According uh, to these reports, you're to become their king, and have even set up the prophets in Jerusalem to proclaim on your behalf, There is a king in Judah. These rumors will be heard by the king, so come and let's confer together. Then I replied to him, there is nothing to these rumors you are spreading, and you are inventing them in your own mind, for they, will, uh, they, for they were all trying to intimidate us, saying they will drop their hands from the work, and it will never be finished. But now, my God, strengthen my hands. I went to the house of Shemaiah, the son of Adalia, and and son of Matelda, who was restricted to his house. And he said, let's meet, the house, let's meet at the house of God inside the temple. Let's shut the temple doors because they're coming to kill you. They're coming to kill you tonight. But I said, should a man like me run away? How can someone like me enter the temple and live? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent him because of the prophecy he spoke against me. Tobiah and Sambalat had hired him. He was hired so that I would be intimidated to uh, do as he suggested, sin, and get a bad reputation in order that they could uh, discredit me. My God, remember Tobiah and Sambalat for what they have done, and also the prophetess Noada and the prophets who had intimidated me. Listen to verse 15 and 16. The wall was completed in 52 days. On the 55th day, the month of Elo, when all the enemies heard this, all surrounding the nations were intimidated and lost their confidence. For they realized that this task had been accomplished by who? By our God. You know, I think this is the real story of Nehemiah. It is not that Nehemiah, like I said the last time we were together, was just the greatest leader ever. Nor that he was the greatest visionary of his time. But it was because he held on to who was really in charge. God. When you and I do that, we will see God do things amazing. When a God-sized task is done before us, though, when a God-sized task is before us, there will always be distraction. 
It's the hardest part of the Christian faith because we believe that when God inspires us to do something, he'll make a clean path for us to do so. And he will, but the world is going to try and muddy that path. It's going to try and step in the way through intimidation, through what may seem like God's voice. Even in the story of Nehemiah, he shows us this. The good people and bad both were trying to speak to Nehemiah. Intimidation, confusion. Don't, don't forget that the people that are building the wall are still waking up every day with one hand to a trowel and the other to a sword. They were prepared for battle at any given moment, but they kept doing the work. It was because Nehemiah was the greatest preacher. It's because they saw that God could do something that he promised he would always do. And in this story, in our story, we've got to capture this. You and I are given a task before us, and we've got to throw off those things that hold on to us. Hebrews 12 tells us this, Therefore, since we are surrounded with such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, for the joy of uh, for the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You and I are given a task to give God glory in all we do. And the world is going to give you every way to trip up. It's, it's just the way it goes. We started our year with fasting. And as we started our year with fasting, I told you, anytime you want to fast, I can promise you this. Everything's going to be offered to you to break your fast. Anytime you devote yourself to pray every day at a certain time, I can assure you of something, that's when you'll get a text. That's when some alert's going to go off. Anytime you decide you're going to spend time in the Word, I can promise you that's when your show is going to move to that time slot. It's the way it goes. Netflix is going to start streaming it. You know why? The worst thing on planet Earth is when a Christian starts to act like a Christian. Because the world doesn't want it. The enemy wants to fight you as much as he can. So if he can keep you from praying, if he can keep you from reading the Bible, if he can keep you from coming on a Sunday to be equipped, he's going to do it. And it's going to be not always with the wrong things. Sometimes it's going to be with the right things. You're going to go, well, it seems like a good decision. I know that's a good trade-off. The worst thing that we could do is buy the lies the world gives us. And suddenly, everything sounds good. It happened to Sanballat at some point. That the words that he thought were good were becoming good in his mind. And he decided, let's not let them rebuild this wall. Why didn't the nations run in to help? Why, why would they not marvel at the fact that they're seeing something being done? The problem is this. You and I mess up a lot when we don't focus our attention on God. Instead, we, we find ourselves being tossed back and forth and we wonder, God, why am I not being filled by you? It reminds me of this quote, Jeremiah Burroughs. He was a Quaker. He wrote these words, when you pour wine, you don't pour it into a shaky bottle. Steal the bottle, then pour the wine. Some of you God wants to pour into you, but you won't be still. Jeremiah, in Nehemiah's life, we see that Nehemiah was moved 
all the time by people. He was being shaken, and he just kept going back. This is his journal. Remember, I told you that. That's why we get first-person account, things like uh, verse 9 where he says, but now my God strengthened my hands. We're getting his personal thoughts on what's going on. And in all of these, he's asking God, would you just still me for a moment? Would you strengthen me for a moment? Would you equip me for a moment to just be still before you so that you can feel my life? And the same God that poured into Nehemiah is the same God that wants to pour into you. He wants to pour into you and fill you up. And what's more is he wants to fill you so much that you pour out on all those around you. He doesn't want to just make you equipped. He wants you to spill out and never run empty. The reason we marvel at Nehemiah's story is this. He finished a task that seemed undoable. In a time that seemed unreasonable. With resources that were unattainable. With a people that were ill-equipped to do so. And so when you and I capture this moment with God where we start to go, God, I know I don't have the resources, I don't have the people, I don't have anything that it takes to finish this task, but you are good enough, big enough, strong enough to finish this. And when we fall into that kind of understanding of who God is, that he has got everything it takes, we start to get to be a part of what only he can do. That's where I want to find my faith. Not in the things that I as a pastor can build or equip or do. If that's the most that we get out of faith is as much as a, a pastor can give to us, our faith is so weak. But when we count upon God as the only giver of everything we need, we're never without. We're never without vision. We're never at, without resources. We're never without people. We're never without faith. We're never without steadiness. We're never without the feeling of God. But here's the thing. I've discovered this is probably the most true thing I could ever tell you about church. I grew up a preacher's kid. For those of y'all that know my story, I did not want to be a preacher. You know why? I did not like church. I loved Jesus. I did not like the church. Until I realized something. I was the church. It took me a while to figure out that the things I didn't like about the church was me. I'm going to tell you a few things I know for certain are going to happen in your walk with the Lord at church. You ready? Number one, somebody's going to hurt your feelings. It's going to happen. I promise you it is. I don't want to even lie to you. If you're new to church, welcome to it. Somebody's going to hurt your feelings here. It's going to happen. You know how we all know? We've all experienced it, and we all hate that. Number two, there's going to be a rumor about you that's not true. You know how we know? We've all experienced it, and we hate it. Number three, you're going to come in the doors one day, and that person or those people will not say hi to you, and it's going to make you sad. You know how we know? It's all happened to us, and we all, we all hate it doesn't make it better. I, I don't know if y'all have been watching, but the news is fascinating about the coronavirus. It, it's just fascinating to watch because we know it's coming, right? Like at this point, y'all know that eventually it's going to spread. 
doesn't mean that you and I need to like find ourselves uniquely hanging out the house just looking through the blinds. Is it coming? I mean, but it, it's coming, right? Like we, we get this. It's like the flu. It's coming. If you haven't got it, it's coming. But as you watch it, you watch how people try and protect themselves from it. They wear masks on airplanes. Don't fly on an airplane. Uh, they do things like this. I got to go to the coast to do business. Do we not have cell phones, FaceTime, spreadsheets that we can share with one another? Don't go to the coast. But we do it, don't we? We willingly go, go and spread ourselves thin. We, we travel abroad. And Anybody watching what the Olympics is going to do? Asian Olympics are set up, coming this summer, right? They have the venues built. But you know who's not in the venues right now? Anybody. They won't let anybody in. They don't want the virus to get there. They keep cleaning empty buildings. You and I do not have to live in this kind of way. We don't have to hurt each other. We don't have to lie about each other. And we should greet each other. But frankly, we've all been hurt, we've all been left alone, and we've all heard a rumor about us that wasn't true. And how we react is, we hurt, we tell rumors, and we walk in the door like this. I'm not saying hi to anybody. They didn't say hi to me last week. Bunch of backsliders. They should listen to the sermon better. (sighs) I mean, if they love Jesus, they'd greet people, but I ain't greeting people today because I love Jesus, and I know he knows better than that, so, you know. And before we think we're not that, it's exactly what happens to Nehemiah. Called by God, led by God, with good vision. But rumors occur when the sender is weakened and lacks vision. What if you went to a church? What if you and I went to a church that when people walked in the door, they felt so loved? Like, they walked in, and people would just stop drinking coffee and having their conversation because they saw somebody walk in the door, and they went, hey, we're glad that you're here. You'd be like, yay. And then what if they they made their way into the sanctuary, and they sat down all alone, because that's what we do, and all of a sudden, they were looking at the screen, and somebody sat right next to them. Hey. And they're like, hey, we saw you sitting alone. We don't do that here. Welcome to the church of Quill Creek. And they heard a rumor like, eh, uh, 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 time out. We don't do rumors here. We just don't do that. Stop. Have a great day. Come sit next to me in church. You need Jesus. <laughs> what if we did that? What if we went to a church like that? We could. Starting now. Or we could just be what we've always been, buying into the lies and experiencing nothing great from it. Here's where rumors find their root. Rumors are always from that weakened state, from a lack of vision. It's people that tell rumors are people that like to share stories but have none of the facts. And they miss a vision of where they could be at, the kind of church they could go to. 
kind of family they could be in, kind of workplace they could work in. They lack a vision. Nehemiah didn't lack the vision. When the rumors came, he didn't have to share them. You know why? He didn't care. There was a wall to build. There was something to do. And that should be us. We should live in such a place that we go, we have a vision of what could happen if we all as a community of believers that gathered at Quell Creek went, that's not going to be us anymore. We're going to be a church that loves people, that dispels rumors, and that doesn't hurt one another. That's who we're going to be. That's who we choose to be. Anybody that doesn't like that, we're going to go, hey, hey you, we hear you keep talking rumors. Here's your option. Fix it, or we can show you about four or five places you could attend. Because that's not the church we are. You imagine if that happened? Here's the problem, right? None of us want to be that person that's called out. Because we all like to believe that that's not us. We, we have something in our minds. When I said that, you're like, oh, I know who they're talking about. You might have elbowed your spouse in the middle of that. That's, y'all come down forward. That's a good moment to come and pray. Anyways, instead what we should be doing is this. Lord, fix me. Lord, change me. Because I have a vision different than where we are today. I want to be a place that when people walk in, they go, I've never been to a church like that. It was refreshing. Let me tell you what churches have in common. Today, every church, I pray this, I don't know this for certain, will sing a song of praise to God, whether with musical instruments or not, but, but they're doing some kind of worship. There is something being read of Holy Scriptures, regardless of where you go. You're getting something from the Bible. They, they have a time where they give. They have a time where they stand and have some sort of response to God, whether it's walking an aisle or just staying where you are. So those are our commonalities. What makes our church different is you. It's you. It's you, Nehemiah. Are you showing up with him today? Do you have that clear vision? Do you have that distinctive vision of what God would do with your life that you're inviting people into? Because Ephesians 4 tells us this, that no foul language should come from your mouth, but only what is good for the building up of someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. Proverbs 16, 28, which I, I'm bathing in Proverbs right now. It's my daily reader. It says, a contrary person spreads conflict and a gossip separates close friends. Do you see it that our mouths do so much damage? And Nehemiah saw it. it. It had weaved its way all the way to Nehemiah to where even the people were talking. Nehemiah, is this true? I mean, are you wanting to be our next king? I mean, you came from a king's quarter. Is that what you're wanting to be? Nehemiah, are you doing this so that we can go to war? Nehemiah, is this what this was all about? Is it not about really rebuilding our home, but all about you? Nehemiah, what, what do you think about this? Nehemiah, they're coming to attack us. Nehemiah, who's watching? Nehemiah, Nehemiah, you could just hear it. In the midst of all of that, where does Nehemiah go? He goes to God in prayer. Nehemiah deals with the distractions and rumors through prayer. 
It is the classic story of who Nehemiah is, that he was so willing to go to God with every single part of him. And here's why. At the core of who Nehemiah was, the very heart of who he is, he was heartfelt about what God was calling him to do. You know, it's funny that we call that sensation when we eat too much and, and, and like the acid in our stomach builds up, we call that heartburn. Completely disattached from our hearts. The stomach felt moment of we call heartburn. But there's a different moment that we get on a walk or a road to Emmaus, don't we? Where these men are meeting with Jesus. So they're walking towards Jerusalem. And they don't get it who he is at first, but he's sharing with them, he's talking with them. And as he leaves them, they say, did our hearts not what? Burn within us. Nehemiah had heartburn for his people. And the only place he could keep that lit was at the throne room of God. My question to you today is, is anything moving you to have heartburn for God's things? And it's easy to figure out. Here's how you can know if it is uniquely a God heartburn moment. And that's if you can accomplish it on your own with all of your skill, with all of your resources, with all of your might. It's not God heartburn, it's just a desire. When's the last time we prayed prayers saying, God, this is something that's in my heart that only you can accomplish. God, this is something only you can do. And Father, until that time, make me faithful to work alongside you, but realizing my hands are not equipped enough. This story should have gone like this. So many times in Scripture, we see when a battle is won, when things are done, people celebrate men. Look it up. Time and time again in Scripture, when a battle's won, they would give credit to David. They'd give credit to Saul. They, they would give credit to Gideon. Who did all these men, with the exception of Saul, point them towards? God. And in this moment, Nehemiah has equipped them enough that they see that this has been won by God's hands. That the wall has been done not because they played their part, but because God did. Because the Lord knows the intentions of the heart of man. He knows what's at our very heart's core. He knows what he's asking to stir our souls, but what we don't seem to capture. Because he sees through everything. Proverbs 21.2 says this, All a person's ways seem right to him, but the Lord weighs the heart. We can always find something that we could be doing. We can make ourselves uniquely busy at faith. Or we could seek God's favor and his desire and his vision and fall into it. I want to give you one last thought, but I want to read it one more time for you in Scripture. We're going to read Nehemiah chapter 6, verses 15 and 16 one more time. And I want you to capture this for just a moment with me. As we read through this one more time, exactly what the heartbeat and the heartburn intention is. Nehemiah chapter 6, starting in verse 15. 
the wall was completed in 52 days. And on the 55th day of the month of Elul, when all the enemies had heard this, all the surrounding nations were intimidated and lost their confidence. I want to stop there by just saying this. It's not just the people that worked on the wall. It is everyone of all the nations that surrounded this place were not only intimidated, but they lost their confidence. Why? Not because it was finished. Not because 55 days were done. Not because Nehemiah was hung the gates up. None of that is why they were intimidated or that they lost their confidence. They did that because of one thing. They realized that the task that had been accomplished was by God. What is it about modern day church that the world doesn't get? They're rarely seeing the move of God. They're seeing the move of people. They're not intimidated about that. They don't lose confidence in that. Anybody can do anything. You can get enough people together to all jump on pogo sticks and make it into Guinness Book's world, world records. You can do that. That's a human intention. It can be done. People outside of the faith can be good people. They can raise good kids. They can do good things. I mean, today, Bill Gates and his wife give millions of dollars all over the world to do water uh, resuscitation in, in third world nations. They give it willingly, sacrificially even, to just give people water so they don't have to walk down to broken streams. It doesn't mean that they're holy. So what is the difference? The difference is this. God is not dead. That's what our orchestra started our service with. The question is, why does it seem like he is? Because his church is trying to do things that they can do. And they've quit asking God to do the things that only he can do. When I started this year, as I was putting last year to bed and kind of raising this year up in my prayer life, I said, God, what is it that you would have us to do this year? What is a centralized focus of something you would ask us to do? And it is that we would uniquely hold on to the things that only God can do. We would quit trying to do what only we can do. Your staff is smart. They're well-equipped. They can build programs. They can build moments. I promise you this. I mean, we have people on boards at state levels building youth camps. They are well-equipped. We have probably the greatest, and I believe this with all of my heart, the single greatest orchestrator of music in our music ministry of anybody I've ever met. Grant can do it. It's not a problem of not knowing how to do it. Amen? The problem is this. We can do all these things and miss God completely unless we ask him, God, what would you have us to do? God, would you do only your size things? God, we're equipped enough in what we think we are. That's self-righteousness. But God, we want to be equipped in holiness. And the only way we get there is to fall in love with you. That's why we're begging you and pleading with you from the stage, from your life groups, from your ministries. Spend time with God. Do it willingly. Do it sacrificially. Bathe yourself in prayer. Bathe yourself in scripture because it matters what happens in this room. It matters what happens when we say amen and we leave this room. And it matters because we're asking God to do some things. 
We're asking God to do what only he can do because we want to be a part of it. It's not enough to have a great church. We need to serve a great God. And what God starts, he finishes. Why is this a year of finish? Because we need to start holding on to the things that only God can start. And what God starts, he finishes. He doesn't need 52 days. He doesn't need 52 days. Some of y'all need to start something that God can finish this afternoon. Some of you need to start something that God can finish this week. But you can't finish what you don't start. Nehemiah saw something in his heartbeat that only God could do. So I started with him in prayer. God, would you build that wall? God, would you make a way? God, would you protect us? God, would you equip us? God, would you finish what you started? And God took 52 days and he wrecked the nations by his presence, not Nehemiah's, not by walls, not by city gates. His presence wrecks the world. The name of the church at Quell Creek will do something eventually. It will die. Because at some point in the life of our history, Jesus will return. And the name of this church will not make it there. It doesn't have its name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. It's a building in a community named Quell Creek. That's the name of the church at Quell Creek. It'll die. It'll go away. It's not eternal. This building has no eternal value except for one thing. We gather here. Eternal people gather here. And we should be seeing eternal things happening. God-sized things. Things that only he can start and finish. Things that he would use his church to participate in, to see his name made great, and to see people won for eternity. My prayer is this. Today, if you don't know Jesus... My prayer, my earnest prayer is this, that you wouldn't waste another day, but that you would start your journey with him today. The funny thing is, we're about to walk towards Easter season, where one of the greatest lines of all of history has ever been said, the greatest story ever written, had a crescendo with one simple sentence, it is finished. On that day on the cross, Jesus finished the weight of sin for my life and for yours. He wiped away every stain, every scar, and he made a way for you and I to have a relationship with God who created this world, who loved us so much he made us in his image. He made that way not so that it would just be a way, but the way. And the question I have for you today is this, have you ever started that journey with him? You may have come to church a million times in your lifetime. You may have gone through VBS, RHGAs, kids camps, youth camp. You're in adulthood. You may have taken your kids through all that. And you may be sitting here today saying, I've heard it all before, but not know Jesus Christ. Today is your day to know for certain. You should know for certain, sir. You should know for certain, ma'am. You should know for certain, ladies and gentlemen. You should know for certain that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You know how I know this? 
He is for certain he paid enough for your sins and mine. And today, here's how we know. That we take all of the sin, all of the broken, all of the wrong way, and we bring it to the altar and say, this is the best I got. And Jesus goes, it's enough. Drop it. And we do two things. The Bible says we repent, which just means this. Not only am I not picking that back up again, I'm never going back again to it. And the next is this. We embrace Jesus and the truth of who he is into our lives. To save us from all of that and give us a life in him. To not just save us, but to lead us from then on. If you don't know for certain you've had that moment, today is your day. Today is your day to start what only God can finish. And maybe today is the day that you finish holding on to the broken and you start holding on to the truth because the truth never changes. When I was growing up, I've heard songwriter after songwriter pen great words. It wasn't until my adulthood that a group came along named Casting Crowns. And they simply said this, and I pulled it up on my phone so I wouldn't butcher it, but I hope that you'll capture this with me today. Simply says this, but the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. The world is going to ask a lot of you. It's going to tell you all its ways are truth and they never last. Because there is one truth, one life, one way, Jesus. And today should be your day with him. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for Nehemiah. Catching a vision of what only you could do. And Lord, thank you that you completed it. Lord, you complete what you start. So Lord, thank you that you show us that time and time again. Lord, forgive us of the times that we have just not started what you've asked us to do. We've allowed fear or other voices to get in the way. But Lord, as a room today, we collectively say we choose to listen to the voice of truth. So Lord, speak to us. To my friends that don't know you as Savior, Lord, speak to their hearts, Lord. Remind them, Lord, that today is their day to give up their sin, to give up their brokenness, and to trade it for eternal glory for holiness in you. Lord, today my prayer is this, that even those of us that have walked with you for a season, even a lifetime, we would begin to have our eyes open to the things only you can do. Lord, make us the kind of church that we've always wanted to be, but have rarely taken the step to become. And Lord, help us to be your church the church that accomplishes things because not that we have enough hands, but we have enough faith to believe that you can do things we can't even begin to understand or fathom. God, rise up your church. Lord, we pray that you would just be over this time. May your Holy Spirit move. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.